0: And uh, if, if you will, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 1. We'll get started here in just a, a brief moment. Romans chapter 1. Always thankful for an opportunity to uh, preach the Word of God and, and just be able to relay uh, the message that he's given to my heart. And uh, with that being said, this is, this is one of those messages, and I know uh, for any of you teachers and preachers, Uh, In here, you would understand this, that sometimes uh, when you go to preach, you already know you're preaching to yourself. And, uh, and so if none of you even in here need this message, uh, if you'd allow me to just preach to myself for a moment uh, from Romans chapter 1. I know uh, that this is something that uh, I need, but I do know that the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness. And so I know uh, that because this word is living, uh, that it's going to speak to you uh, every time that it's opened. And so I praise the Lord for that. And I'm looking forward to preaching tonight. Romans chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. And just to kind of give you, uh, leading up to these verses, of course some very well-known verses if you've been in church for uh, any length of time, but uh, Paul's writing this letter to the Romans there, uh, hence the the name of the book, Romans. And as he's writing this, he, he starts out by really saying, I wanted to come to you. I wanted to be able to come to you, uh, but the Lord said no, and so I'm writing to you uh, some things. And throughout the whole book, and I'll mention this uh, again in just a moment, you see salvation just written all throughout the book of of Romans. And and so that's what I I, I want to look at. The gospel is all through the book of Romans. And so today uh, and tonight we're going to spend just a few uh, moments uh, talking about having a gospel perspective. Having a gospel perspective. And if you're willing and able, would you please stand uh, for the reading of God's word. And I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. And uh, then we'll ask the Lord to bless this time. The Bible says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for your word and the way that it speaks to us. Lord, we thank you that Uh, As it says in your word, this book is uh, powerful, and it's active, it's alive. And so, God, we pray that you'd uh, use it in our hearts tonight. Lord, speak to us in a great way. We pray that you'd keep us safe, and, uh, Lord, that you would just be magnified uh, and glorified by every single thing that is uh, continually said uh, in the rest of today's service. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. You know, uh perspective is, is kind of a funny thing. Uh, two, two people can be looking at the exact same thing and yet argue about what color it is. Uh, I don't know how many of you saw just a few years back uh, there were some shoes and a dress that just made the, the internet go crazy because no one knew if it was white or gold or if it was blue or black and all it really came down to was uh, how you were looking at the picture uh, how you were, or, and how you were looking at the dress or, or the, the shoes. And uh, pers- so perspective can kind of be a funny thing, and usually all that it comes down to is, is the perspective of the two people looking at it. I think of optical illusions and, uh, and how they manipulate your mind uh, to think you're seeing a giraffe, but then you look at it from like a different angle and you see an elephant. That kind of stuff messes with me. It just messes with my mind. And uh, and all perspective, it really just comes down to whether you're looking at something the right way, right? Because perspective is simply this: it's it's how you view something. Well, in, in our passage tonight, I I see Paul giving us his perspective, uh, and I, I believe it's a perspective that each and every Christian should have. Uh, it, it's a gospel perspective. You see, because because of the gospel, we as Christians should view ourselves and view other people a certain way, and and I believe we'll see that as we unpack this passage together, and. So Paul's perspective, really, it was just completely gospel focused. You look at the entire epistle written by Paul here of Romans, and, and the gospel is interwoven through it all. Uh, many people, when they give a gospel presentation, they do so with this very book in mind, and we call that the Romans road. Uh, why? Because the gospel is just written all throughout the book of Romans. And I, I believe we'll see tonight that Paul saw himself and everyone that he came into contact with through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the gospel. But in order to have a, a gospel perspective, we, we have to have a certain understanding of the gospel. And so uh, I want to kind of unpack for a moment verses 16 and 17 and and talk about what is the gospel because Paul understood the gospel in, in a specific way. As I look at this passage, uh, I see passion from Paul to share the gospel. Like I said, at the beginning of the chapter, he says, I wanted to come to you and to proclaim this. I wanted to. There's a passion there to proclaim it. But I, but I, I believe all of that really does stem from his understanding of the gospel that we can see in verse 16 and 17 and how they're worded. Uh, he starts the statement by saying, I'm not ashamed. And, and we'll come back to those words in just a few moments. but. But look at it, he says, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, of the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Simply put, and I know this isn't necessarily new information, but the gospel, that word, means good news. It's good news. Uh, Paul's excited about some good news. But he, he clarifies some things about the gospel that he's talking about. He, he's not just talking about something like half-price appetizers at some restaurant, which is good news. But, uh, but he, he has a, a specific gospel, a specific good news that he's talking about. And so let's unpack that tonight. I want us to notice, first of all, the, the person of the gospel is Jesus. Uh, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, I'm so thankful for the gospel and, and what it tells us of Jesus. The Bible within its pages records the greatest love story of all time, that, that God would send his only son to be born in human flesh, the infinite, wrapped up as a as a tiny infant. And, and the very son of God, he'd be tempted exactly as we are, and yet he would live a sinless life, and he, he would heal people who could not walk and, and make them to walk again, and he would heal those with leprosy and make them completely whole and clean and, and able to go back to their families. And uh, he, would, he would make the deaf to hear and the blind to see. And he raised people from the dead. Some, some of those he raised from the dead with just his simple words from a distance. And then he would one day himself go to that cross to die for your sin and my sin. But he wouldn't stay there. Uh, he would raise from the dead uh, to show us that we have victory over sin and death. And that's what the gospel is. You look at 1 Corinthians 15, it says the, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of who? Jesus Christ. And, and so there's the person of this gospel that, uh, that Paul is speaking about. He's, he says there's a person specific in this good news, and that is Jesus. It's the gospel of Christ. But then he talks about the power of the gospel. In verse 16 he goes on, he says, For it is the power of, of God. It's the power of God. We, we proclaim the gospel because it has power. I think of 1 Corinthians and, and chapter 1 when Paul writes and he says, For the preaching of the cross uh, is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which, us which are saved, it's the power of God. He goes on and says, We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. He talks about the fact that the preaching of the gospel has power. That's why we proclaim it. I I mean, think about the power of the gospel for just a moment. Because of the gospel, uh, I've seen drug addicts get clean and help counsel others to do the same. Uh, I've seen families that were on the verge of destruction be mended and thrive together because of the gospel. Uh, I've seen, uh, in my own lifetime, thinking specifically of someone, uh, I've seen uh, that the gospel has changed someone from a pathological liar, someone that no one could believe a single word that they said, to now being a teacher and a preacher of the truth of God's word. Why? Because of the gospel. The gospel changes people. It it has power. I'm sure that uh, each and every one of us in here could could give some testimony to uh, seeing miraculous things happen in the lives of people, uh, because that's the power of the gospel. Uh, some of you in here today might be thinking of your own story and ha- and the power of the gospel and how it changed you. Really, the biggest change that the gospel has uh, the the gospel has the power to do, is to change our eternal destiny. Uh, And and that's what Paul mentions in the next phrase. He mentions the purpose of the gospel, which is salvation. He says it's it's the power of God unto salvation. The purpose of the gospel is to save those who are lost, uh, to bring those who do not know the love and the forgiveness of Jesus as their Savior into a relationship with him. Uh, I, I still remember when God spoke to me as a child through his word, and, and I recognized my need for a Savior and, and, and came to uh, know salvation. As it was mentioned, I grew up in Ponca City, Oklahoma. There, a central Baptist church under Pastor Waterloo, and uh, in, my, in my home church, I remember in the pre-K class uh, that there was this nice older lady who, uh, who taught the preschool class, and and she had all always had these object lessons that I, I some of them I still remember to this day that uh, that I talked to her about uh, when I was four years old. Just still remembering some of the object lessons that she gave, but I, I do remember that every lesson uh, came back to just how much Jesus loved you, and uh, and it, it was just uh, the the fact that God wanted to be a part of your life, and and the focus of almost every lesson that I can remember from that time uh, was just so soothing. And comforting as a child to know, man, God loves me. And, and then I graduated into the kindergarten and first grade boys class. And our teacher was this really uh, harsh older man that always just seemed to be in a bad mood. And uh, he wasn't, but the way that he was teaching and preaching to us uh, was, was more what they call hell, fire, and brimstone type of preaching. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me. I remember as a, as like a five, almost six-year-old, at one time he was uh, yelling and screaming about uh, how we would go to hell. He pointed at each and every one of us little boys in the face and said, If you do not know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you're a sinner on your way to hell to burn forever. <laughs> and I remember thinking, what? <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Take me back to preschool class where they talk about the love and the good feelings of Jesus. And I remember going through that transition to that teacher. And, and long story short, I, I eventually remember uh, that one of the lessons that he did so pointed at us and, and did his uh, preaching to us about the gospel, uh, that it scared me all week. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And I just kept thinking about it. And, and eventually through that week, I asked my mom some questions and I, I still remember there, uh, in in Blackwell, Oklahoma, just uh, right outside of Ponco, We lived there uh, for a short time. And in my bedroom, right there on my bed, uh, my mom showed me the balance uh, between God's wrath and and the burn His uh, punishment that we do need to we do if we pay for our own sin have to go to hell. Uh, and, but the balance between that and God's love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. And I remember right there on my bed, uh, when I was just almost six years old, uh, accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'll never forget that day. And uh, I know many people uh, just never forget that day uh, when they got saved. Uh, My wife, I'm glad she didn't mention it, because I get to mention it. When she got saved, it was right next to a toilet at teen camp. And so she definitely, she has uh, a great testimony of of salvation story. I know it's pretty memorable to, to her, but think about your salvation uh, that, that's the very purpose of the gospel, is salvation. That people would be saved. That salvation would take place in the lives of those who are lost. Uh, it says in 2 Peter that God's not willing any would perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the purpose of the gospel, salvation. purpose of the gospel is that people would be saved, which goes right into the next point, which is the plan of the gospel. I love how he says it. He says, it's the power of God unto salvation to Everyone to the Jew and also uh, to the Greek. It, the plan of the gospel is that everybody would be saved. Every single person. it's not some exclusive club that only certain pe- people can be a part of. Uh, God is not discriminate toward anyone in regards to who He will save. Uh, all throughout Scripture, when salvation is being talked about, the verbiage used is all-inclusive. I think of John three sixteen and seventeen. For God so loved the world that whosoever uh, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting uh, life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I think of Romans 10, 9 through 13, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart, thou shalt be saved, for for with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's all inclusive. That's the plan of the gospel, that it would get to every single person on this planet. Love that song that Rebecca and I I had the privilege to sing tonight. And I I love the second verse the most where it says, My friend, I can tell you he's always the same. There is no life that he cannot change. The gift of salvation is for everyone, made possible through Jesus, God's only son. Aren't you thankful the gospel is for everyone? And it's not just for a select group of people that God has elected or chosen. Uh, His love, His mercy, His grace, His salvation, His gospel reaches all the way to even you and to me. Praise the Lord. Man, what what an amazing thought. And and the plan of the gospel is that it would go to everyone. And then I want to notice lastly about the gospel, the product of the gospel. And I think we see this in verse 17 uh, that shows us that, that we have growth. And sanctification through the gospel. Uh, verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you unpack that verse very quickly, it says, For therein. In, in what? In the gospel. In the gospel, uh, the gospel it reveals righteousness or right living. From faith to to faith. That's each and every faith step that we take. Each faith step we take, we are living righteously. We live by faith. Well, how's that possible? Because of the gospel. We're made just because of the gospel. Therefore, the only way to continue to grow in Christ is because of the gospel. That's one of the most beautiful things about the gospel is that the change it brings does not end with salvation. It continues to bring about change in our life through sanctification, making us more like Jesus. The gospel, it's so amazing. It's the good news of Jesus for anyone and everyone. It has the power to change any life and bring salvation to anyone who will believe. And it can continue to change us each and every step of the way as we live for God. God And Paul understood all of this. Because of that, it shaped how he saw himself And how he saw others. He had a perspective that was shaped by the gospel. And I see that in in three specific statements that Paul says uh, through these verses. As I said, because of Paul's understanding of the gospel, and because of how it changed his life, he viewed himself and other people all through the lens of the gospel. And uh, I I see that in these three uh, statements. The first one being, I am debtor. I am debtor. You know, a lot of times when we, when we hear the word debt or a debtor, our minds automatically think of that as a bad thing. Uh, our, our, of course, I understand some people you know, talk about good kinds of debt, bad kinds of debt, and that's a completely you know, different topic for a completely different time and all of that. Uh, but when we think about being in debt, that's often what we picture in our minds. We, we have borrowed mo- money from someone, uh, or we've swiped the credit card, and now we have debt that we have to pay back to a person or a company. That's many times the, uh, the idea that we have in our mind. Uh, but there's another way that we can be in debt to someone. And, and it's very simply uh, illustrated like this. If I were to take out, hopefully I have some money in here to use this illustration. All right, I got, I got a $20 bill. If I had, uh, if I had this money and I, I were to walk up to Mike sometime and I were to say, Hey, Mike. Uh, I need you to get this to Pastor Prater. This $20 bill, I need you to get this uh, to Pastor Prater. I'm not going to see him again for a while, and so I need you to get this to, uh, to him. If I were to say that, it would immediately uh, put Mike as a debtor uh, to Pastor Prater for this amount of money, for $20, uh, that I've entrusted to him uh, to give to uh, Pastor Prater. Does that make sense? He's, he's not in debt. But he is indebted to that person, to Pastor Prater, for the amount of $20. Because I entrusted him with that money to get it to someone else. In the same way, <coughs> we have been entrusted by God to get the gospel to everyone on this earth. Uh, he said Jesus did when he was on this earth, Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now all the world, Every creature. We are indebted to each and every person on this earth with the gospel. We've we've been given the gospel from God and been told to give it to everyone else on this earth. And so in this sense, we all, like Paul, must understand that we are indebted to each and every person that does not know Christ to get the gospel to them. Paul understood that uh, he was a debtor to everyone. Uh, That's the verbiage he uses too when he says he's debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians. That, That word barbarian is just really a word, if you look at it, a word that they would use to describe anyone who didn't speak the language of Greek. And so what he's saying is, I have a responsibility, I am indebted by God to the Greek and to everyone else who doesn't speak my language to get the gospel to them. And then uh, he says, I'm debtor to the wise and to the unwise. And I I think that just about covers everyone too, right? Uh, We're either wise or unwise. And I'm so thankful that the gospel is not just for those who are knowledgeable and smart. It, it's simple enough that children can understand it. it it's simple enough that uh, someone like me can understand it. It's for everybody. It, it's, under, it's understandable to everyone, and it's commanded by Christ himself that it be spread to everyone. We're called by God to get the gospel to everyone that we can uh, because we are debtors To everyone who does not know him. If we have a gospel perspective, we will see ourselves as debtors to everyone. Every single person we come into contact with, we will see ourselves as owing them something. Uh, Well, what do we owe them? We owe them a chance to hear the gospel. Uh, if, If we have this perspective, it will change how we interact with people. Which brings us to the next part of a gospel perspective. And Paul says this He says, I am ready. He says, I, "I am indebted to every single person to get the gospel to them, so I, I am always ready to give the gospel to everyone." You know that, that word ready is one that we use pretty often. I, I know my wife probably gets annoyed of this word, I'm sure, because every time we have to go somewhere or be somewhere by a certain time, uh, I come into where she gets dressed, does her hair, puts her makeup on and everything, and I say these words, "Are you ready?" And she uh, 99.8% of the time says no, and, uh, and I, I, I leave, and then I come back within about two to five, she would say seconds, but it's about minutes, two to five minutes, and, and I ask, are you ready? And she says no, uh, or almost ready, and, and then I leave and come back, and uh, then I ask, are you ready? And she says no. Well, when will you be ready? <laughs> you know, and, and so I know she can get tired of that word. I think of the word ready, and of course, I, I like to watch football, and Um, If any of you watch football, a lot of the commentators and and the intro songs to football games say the words, Are you ready for some football? (laughs) That's what it says. Are you ready? What's that word ready mean? It just means, are you prepared? Are are you prepared for it? You want to know the the number one characteristic that all people that hand out gospel tracts have in common? That one characteristic is this. They have them. They're ready (laughs) to give them to people. Uh, they, they have gospel tracts with them uh, to hand out. They're prepared for gospel opportunities to give it to people. They're ready. Uh, that's what Paul's getting at when, when he says that he's ready. He says, because I'm indebted to all people to get the gospel uh, to them. I'm making sure to always be ready to share the gospel with anyone. I, I see the apostle Paul as being someone who uh, l- would look and see for someone that he could uh, talk to about the gospel. Probably had some uh, gospel stone tablets in his pocket to to hand to people. I'm just teasing, but uh, was ready always uh, to to tell people about the gospel. He was ready uh, something I love about. <clears throat> My pastor there in Moses Lake and and, and that I've learned to develop because of him is is a discipline to search out gospel opportunities. Uh, For instance, when we're at a restaurant, I've watched him and learned to look and find someone or multiple people who maybe are alone or or uh, who seem to be bored, or, or that maybe I have something in common with. They, uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, don't hold it against me, but uh, yeah, a couple of Dallas Cowboy fans. So, uh, but if I see someone in a Dallas Cowboy hat, I just say, hey, yeah, Cowboys, you know, just something in common with them, and, uh, it, and it, it, then I strike up a conversation. What, what is that? That's being ready. Uh, to just share uh, the gospel, uh, looking for opportunities to do it. Sometimes it, it develops into a co- gospel conversation, and sometimes the conversation just ends uh, with handing them a gospel track and encouraging it to read it, them to read it on, in their free time. But what is that? That that's just being ready. It's just being prepared if if you want to hand out more tracks then then be sure that you have more on you and, and don't put them somewhere that you can forget to bring them with you how, how many times have you done that my wife and I, I like I said I got to preach to myself tonight too there's so many times my wife and I will be at a drive-through and uh, and' I'm like, hey, we need to hand them a track, or she says, hey, don't forget a track, and there's none in the car, none in our pockets, and yeah, it's just the worst, but uh, we're not ready, you know, we got to be ready to to share the gospel, put them somewhere in a pocket, or a lunchbox, or a book, or a briefcase, something where you always have the most opportunity to be prepared, to be ready to share the gospel, oftentimes I think, have good intentions of inviting people to church or of sharing the gospel with people, but we don't prepare ourselves for gospel opportunities. But not Paul. He said, man, I'm ready. I'm debtor to every single person on this earth to get them the gospel. And, and because of that, I'm always ready to give the gospel to anyone that comes across my path. But his gospel perspective also brought him to say this. I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. You know, growing up, I had a friend whose parents were kind of all over the place. And uh, his mother often uh, used drugs, and, and his dad was often drunk. And because of his hard home life, I remember uh, he really didn't bring many of us that were his friends around his house. And I, I remember when I, I finally did meet his mom, she, she said to him, man, this is the first time I've met a friend. Are you ashamed of me? And, uh, and he said no, and they had kind of a conversation. But she didn't really believe him because uh, his actions were showing something else entirely. Uh, he, he, he wasn't embarrassed of his mom. I mean, embarrassed of what she was doing, but he loved his mom. Uh, but what he was doing just uh, came across to her as, as being ashamed. Well, I, I wonder how many of us would say, well, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed of Christ or of being a Christian, but uh, do our actions say otherwise with how we share the gospel? What are what are some reasons that uh, we're ashamed to proclaim the gospel? I don't I don't want to belabor the point too long, so I'll hit these kind of uh, quickly. But I, I think sometimes we're ashamed because of social pride. Social pride. Uh, this could come from a few different avenues. Sometimes uh, we just care too much about people, what people think of us. <clears throat> what what will sharing the gospel do to my social status? Uh, what will what will people think? What will people say about me? How? How will this affect my influence in the workplace? How, how will this affect uh, the clout I've gained at school? When, when honestly none of that matters in comparison to the questions we should be asking. Which are, what if they never hear the gospel because no one else they come into contact with knows Jesus? Uh, or what if they die and go to hell because I didn't tell them? Uh, these are the kinds of questions we should be asking. I think that sometimes social pride stems also from how Christians are treated, treated in the media and in our culture. You know, there seems to be a growing prejudice against Christians uh, in our culture. And it it can make us worried sometimes about what social problems we may cause in the workplace or or in school or in the community if we step out by faith and talk about Christ. Uh, But again, do these worries outweigh the heaviness of knowing that someone may not go to heaven because of your inability to hand out a gospel track or to talk to them about Jesus, we need not let our our social status or the social issues of our day to dictate whether or not we share the gospel. We must not be uh, ashamed. I think another thing that uh, sometimes uh, makes us ashamed to tell the gospel is intellectual pride. I think that this comes into play when we convince ourselves that we don't know enough about the Bible or how to answer hard questions that people may ask. Uh, as if we need to be able to answer every question. Man, I've been there. Well, well I know some of the stuff going on in that coworker's life. And, and I, if I start to bring up church, then they're going to ask me some questions that I don't have the answers to. And, and I don't want to come across as someone uh, that, that can't help them. But there's nothing wrong with not knowing all the answers. Right. In fact, I I love, uh, I've always done this for my whole life, to say, you know what, I don't know, but I'm sure my pastor does, and so you should go and ask him. Uh, The easiest thing I've ever had the opportunity to do as a staff member at a church is direct people to the pastor uh, when I don't know how to answer a question. It's one of the things that scares me most about being a pastor, starting a church. Someone asks me a question, you know what, I don't know, but you should ask Me. You should ask me. I'll get that answer for you. Uh, but, but again, uh, souls are in the balance, okay? Are, are we going to let intellectual pride get in the way of showing someone the way to Jesus? All you really need to know to share Christ is how he changed your life and, and how did you get saved. Start with that. I think another thing sometimes is moral pride. We, uh, sometimes the thing that keeps us from sharing Christ with others is the fact that we're not right with God. And, and we have some kind of sin in our life, and because of that, uh, it's going to hinder our, wit- our witness for him. And so we need to uh, work to stay right with God so that we can continue to be out there sharing his love with others. You know, he, uh, Paul here, he, he had quite uh, the gospel perspective. And it's, it's exactly the perspective that each and every one of us should have. Uh, it, it was shaped by his understanding of the gospel. You see, when when someone truly understands the gospel, and how amazing it is, it will cause them to have a certain perspective. It will cause us to see ourselves as debtors to all those who do not know Christ. It will cause us to be prepared, to be ready to share the gospel with anyone that the Lord might bring across our path. And, and it will cause us to be confident instead of ashamed of proclaiming the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, I, I haven't been viewing myself as being indebted to others with the gospel. Or maybe you have the heart to share Christ, but but you haven't been prepared to do so. Or you've uh, allowed some form of pride to keep you from doing so. May we come uh, tonight and and get that right with God, if that's how the Lord's speaking. Maybe this message, uh, for some, it was just a great reminder of how amazing the gospel is. Uh, Perhaps some of us, we just need to come and, and thank the Lord for His amazing gift of the gospel of Christ, which is uh, unto salvation. It's the power of God. Maybe thank Him for how amazing that gift is. And, and then lastly, I, I know maybe someone in a crowd this size, they don't know Christ as their Savior. Maybe your life's never been changed by the gospel. Uh, you might be thinking, well, I can't share the gospel be, because the gospel's never affected my life. If, if there's someone like that, could I encourage you that tonight find someone that, uh, that could show you Uh, from God's word, how you can know that you're on your way to heaven, that your life can be gloriously changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, However the Lord's spoken tonight, I pray that we would respond. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much.